Hello, and welcome back to Book Talk. Today, we have a very special reading from Claire Human of her book, The Oni Shamazen, The Toki Girl and the Sparrow Boy. The Oni Shamazen is the ninth in the groundbreaking Toki Girl and Sparrow Boy series where history, fantasy, and magical realism collide in the Meiji era, a time and place where anything could happen, and probably did. So, without any further ado, here is Claire Human. The Reluctant Dragon, Chapter 1 Gamba thundered down the path as fast as his stubby legs would carry him. Sensei, Sensei, he had to get to Sensei. Those people who had come to the secret outcast village where he and his mother used to live, they wanted to find Lady Noriko, but Gamba didn't think they were her friends, even though they were ninja just like she was. Only he wasn't supposed to know that, let alone say it. It was winter, so it was cold in the mountainous northeastern portion of Kyushu, but Gemba dripped sweat with the effort of his run. Sensei knew things, knew much more than Gemba did. Sensei would know what to do. Gemba's short arms swung around his round body as he ran along the trail through the forest as he hurried to find Sensei. There, the trail joined the track that ran across the pass, connecting the port towns on the northern shore with the coastal villages dotting the east coast and going all the way to Beppu and Oita, actual cities that Gemba had never seen, but which held a mythical status in his mind, maybe as good as Amida Buddha's western paradise. Gemba hoped to go there when he died like some people said he might. Sensei said that wasn't the school of Buddhists thought he followed, and Sensei, of course, thought his school was the best but he wasn't exactly clear in his explanations of what his school's teachings were. Not so Gemba could understand, anyway. Gemba personally would be happy with Beppu, where all the different hot springs were. Just past the Temple of Mary, with all the Jizo statues outside it, Gemba skidded left to race down the hill. He hesitated. Noriko-sama's dojo was close to the top of the path, connected to the Meta house by a covered gallery. But no, Gemba wanted Sensei. Sensei would be at the school, and that was at the bottom of the hill. Meta Yuta Sensei glanced over his shoulder at the window of his classroom in the modern national school building in the large clearing near the village's tiny harbor when he heard someone crashing through the woods. A dozen young people watched as he inscribed mathematical equations on the chalkboard. His niece, Azuki, the Toki girl who could become a Japanese-crested ibis. His nephew, Shota, the sparrow boy. Renko, the dragon princess. And Akira, the eagle boy, were four of those young people. The other eight, ordinary humans all, came from various farms in the larger village over the pass and comprised the entire local secondary school. Sensei, sensei! Gemba cried, flailing his arms as he ran from the edge of the woods to the schoolyard. With a few quick strokes of chalk, Yuta finished the final equation. All of you, he said firmly, try to solve this. Renko-san, you're in charge. The dragon girl was gifted at mathematics. She was the one most likely to figure it out first, and then she could help the others. I won't be long. Yuta nodded sharply and strode to the door to meet Gemba. Yuta liked Gemba, though he was slow intellectually and suffered from some kind of congenital difficulty 
that subtly altered his appearance. He was cheerful and happy and enjoyed life immensely as he helped his mother, Midori, run the village center. Due to Gemba's disability and Midori's own club foot, they had formerly lived in the hidden outcast village in the nearby forest. Diverting and artificially heating the small river's water to create a sento, a hot bathing facility for everyone in the village, had been one of Shota's best ideas and created jobs for Midori and her son. I'm right here, Gemba-san, Yuta said. What's the matter? They're shinobi, the young man panted. Ninja. And they're coming to see Noriko-sama, but I don't like them. Who? Yuta asked. What shinobi? Why do they want to see my wife? Yuta knew better than to question Gemba so abruptly, but this was unsettling. At the village, in the forest, I went to visit, and they were there, two of them. Are they staying in the village? I don't know. They said they needed to find Lady Noriko. And they're coming, right now. Yuta knew his own distress was not helping matters. He took several deep breaths. He didn't necessarily trust Gemba's facts. Sometimes Gemba got things jumbled. But he did trust Gemba's intuition, and the young man was not happy about this potential visit. Go into the school, Gemba-san. Yuta gently took the young man's shoulders and focused on him. Gemba was tall enough so they were almost of a height. Yuta could almost look directly at him and make Gemba meet his gaze. Please tell Renko-san I have to go to the dojo for a little while to see my wife. They should work on their mathematics until I get back. Can you remember that? Gemba nodded, reassured. Sensei was in charge now. He could relax. As he did, Yuta dropped his grip on Gemba's shoulders. Sensei's going to see Lady Noriko. They should do the arithmetic until Sensei comes back. Yuta nodded. That's fine, Gemba-san. Now go tell Renko-san, please. It's important. Gemba straightened, pleased to have an important task, and turned back to the school. Go tell Renko-san. Do the arithmetic. Sensei comes back, he muttered. Yuta's mouth twisted a little as he watched. It would have to do. He whirled and started up the hill to the dojo. A former Sohei, Yuta used the skills he learned as a warrior monk to move with a runner's speed up the hill without appearing to exceed a walk. He entered his home compound through the pedestrian gate that opened into the yard at the front of the house and dropped the bar across it. Anyone who wanted to come in that way would have to ring the bell. He rounded the house, ascended the steps to the gallery, and leaped up the further steps to the small porch leading to the door of the dojo. He knelt and slid the door open quietly. Yes, a woman's quiet voice sounded from within. A quick glance assured him that his wife was alone, standing off to one side of the door in case the visitor she had heard coming was hostile. She was wearing, as might be expected, a gi cinched with her heavily embroidered black belt and had a shurikan throwing star in her hand. Her morning students should have gone by now, but Yuta wanted to make sure. Alone, he asked. Yes, what's wrong? Come in. Noriko stepped back, having assured herself that he was alone. Gambasan just ran to the school. He said there were shinobi at the outcast village and that they were looking for you. 
If they left right after Gembison, they'll be here any minute then. But my existence isn't a secret, nor is the location of my dojo. That you are Kunoichi is, though. Kunoichi were women shinobi or ninja, the pronunciation depending on whether the kanji were read in Chinese or Japanese style. All the known ninja schools had women members, but Noriko came from a very secret woman-only Mochizuki school. Her menkyo kaidan, the credential that established her as a martial arts master teacher and allowed her to establish her own dojo, came from her Shaolin masters in Tokyo. Her kunoichi training was a closely guarded secret. How did Gembasan know they are ninja? The bell on the outside door of the dojo sounded. We're about to find out. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this story, please visit Claire Human's Amazon page where you can purchase this book and the rest of her series. See you next time.